Everybody and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the show where we look back at the best picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me, as always, is Matt by Odin's Raven, Marchetti. <laughs> uh, Matt, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm, I'm doing swell. I'm ready to talk movies. Uh, life has been treating me like it treats most people, <laughs> which is sometimes unfairly, sometimes fairly. You know, know, this is why we watch movies. We watch movies to get away from all that. So that's quite true. Although there, there is escapist entertainment and there is artistic entertainment. Um, (laughs) I can't say that our film this week, uh, "The Virgin Spring" by Ingmar Bergman from 1960, the best foreign film winner of that year, is an escapist piece of entertainment. Um, You know, there's just something about it that uh, makes me think. I uh I I don't need to see this movie again. I kind of needed a shower afterwards, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. um but here it won and so it is worthy of talking about it. But however, Matt, before we before, before we get into all of that, the undoubtedly depressing conversation, we are in the month of May. Happy May. Yay. Hey. So that means we're a, we are a little, we are a third of the way through 2017. It has been just moving by as time always does and so i have to ask you as a huge movie buff who probably gets to the cinema a bit more than me what have been some of your more memorable films of 2017 so far and which in which movies do you think will be remembered there at the end oh jeez hmm. i i think i've i've probably mostly watched like <laughs> i wouldn't call it important cinema we we tend to go to the theater for the kind of big, um, you know, tentpole type movies or the big special effects stuff, just because I know down the road I'll see I'll see most of the you know independent stuff or, or what yeah. have you. Um, so the last couple, what did we see? Well, the last movie we saw in the theater was uh, The Fate of the Furious, which we already talked about a little bit last week. We can talk about it again. I just I have no problem talking. Which, discussing that movie every week, <laughs> which definitely will be remembered by me at the end of the year. I don't know if it'll be honored at the end of the year. It should be. It should be honored at the end of the year. <laughs> um, what else did we see? We saw, well, we saw the, the King Kong, the new King Kong film, Skull Island, which um, was basically just like a uh, box of candy version of the King Kong movies. They were like, you know, all that romance and that big grandeur. Let's just have it be action, wall-to-wall action. Yeah. The, 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 the Kong fucking shit up. Yep, the Marchetti in me was... Very happy. Very, very happy. And speaking of fucking shit up, um, I saw John Wick 2 three times. <laughs> <laughs> so I might have liked it a little bit. Um, I was a big fan of the first movie, so that was one of the ones I was really, really looking forward to. Um, and then Logan, of course, Logan, which, um, if there was anything right in the world, would would be deserved, deserving of some awards at the end of the year, unfortunately. Honestly, I, I, honestly, if, we're, if, if we are speculating, I... It is not impossible for Hugh Jackman to score a Best Actor just yeah. for as as sort of a, a nomination nomination. He he, yeah. he won't he, he won't win, but as a sort of legacy thing, he's been in he's played this character over ten movies. It's uh, he's an enduring cultural icon at this point, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, he went out like a fucking champ. Yes, he did. And I 
you know, I think that the academy is open to that sort of thing nowadays, oh. and uh, I guess I guess we'll see come um, come January when the nominees are announced. But I could see Logan getting some getting some critical heat. It would uh, be nice. It would be really nice to see. That would be super great. I would be so happy with that. And I and I know, and you know, the ratings have been lagging in the Oscars every now and then for a while now. And having a movie like Logan. Mm-hmm. In any sort of like major contention, not just te- a technical category, which you could mm-hmm. totally do, uh, would be a boon for ratings. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I unfortunately don't get out to the movies all that much. The having the whole baby thing kind of uh, it kind of ruined my uh, my movie going experience. I used to go to the films, ooh, the theater, the cinema, the, the cinema. <laughs> yes, the talkies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about once a week if not if not more but i have uh slowed down considerably since my daughter was born and uh, i actually did go see beauty and the beast today with her her first movie going experience at a uh the alamo draft house in a series called the alamo for all which is a sort of family friendly theater going experience where kids are allowed to be kids and pitch a fit and nobody minds because we're all we all agree that this is okay and uh, it was it was actually a lot of fun i found a lot of my a lot of the movies i have watched uh, have involved children in danger or something like that and <laughs> i go for the escapist entertainment of logan and find some father daughter drama and i'm like yeah mother mother fucker god <laughs> d- really <laughs> or i go see fate of the furious and a kid gets kidnapped yeah. or i uh and to, or to bring it all back around i see the virgin spring and oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. i have to stop seeing these movies uh they Tough are um, they're so they're so fun and they uh they hit me like a um a, a, a punch to the stomach doesn't even work it's it is more primal than that but yeah uh, of uh, of those, I mean, Virgin Spring doesn't count because it wasn't in the theaters this year. But I like to think Logan will will be there at the end. Uh, there's still so many things I am looking forward to catching up on video. Perhaps now that I am a stay at home dad and they come out, I'll just watch them while the baby's sleeping. Like I need mm. to see, I need to see Get Out. I really need to see Get Out. I hear yeah, excellent I didn't see it. Yet, I know it's a it's a cardinal sin for me. I know, I know. I it's know. a horror movie. I know. Look, I know, I know. All right, all right. You're too busy. I, there's no excuse. It's just yeah, too busy watching all five American uh, American ninjas. <laughs> yes, maybe. <laughs> maybe I don't know why. I, I, I don't know why I'm playing coy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, however, um, so that's enough of uh, 2017. We'll we'll touch we'll touch in on the movies of this year as we progress through the year. We're here to talk about the Virgin Springs and when we come back we will discuss the 1960 Best Foreign Film Academy Awards. We have already covered the year in general with The Apartment uh from many episodes ago. So if you want to hear my thoughts and former co-host Alex Riviello's thoughts, Alex Riviello's thoughts on that film, you should Definitely check that out for a more in-depth look at the year. But in the meantime, stay tuned. We'll be right back to discuss the foreign language films. Very often the films of this category need less translation than our own. Now, why is that? Because they are simple and much to the point. In clinical terms, they choose a single subject. They proceed to probe, to inquire, to speculate. They assemble a body of fact, and they reach a conclusion. This year, the Academy received entries from 12 foreign countries. 
And the five, five films nominated are, from Italy, Capo, by Vitas Zebra Film Cineris. From France, La Verite, by Han Production. From Mexico, Macario, by Classa Films Mundiales. From Yugoslavia, The Ninth Circle, by Jardran Film. From Sweden, The Virgin Spring, by A.B. Svensk Film Industry. The winner is... The Virgin Spring, or as I like to call it, the feel-good family film of 1960, won the Best Foreign Language Picture at the 1960 Academy Awards. This was the first win for Igmar Bergman, the first of three he would win the next year for, uh, I believe, was it Through a Glass Darkly? Yes. Yeah, Through a Glass Darkly, and again in 1983 for Fanny and Alexander. He was also he was nominated on several other occasions for screenplay and picture uh, um, throughout, the, throughout the course of his career, but he ultimately won three. He, he directed three of the best foreign language films, which puts him in high regards in terms of mm-hmm. which directors have, have directed a Best Picture winner. Bergman is definitely up there. Uh, best Picture, Best Foreign Language Film was the only Academy Award it, this film was nominated for. No others, but hey, you win one, you, you get nominated for one, you win one. That's 100%, uh, 100% win rate. Matt... <clears throat> What was what was the Virgin Spring up against this year? It was up against a I, I'm gonna be completely honest and I'm usually really on uh, the ball about this, but it was up against a bunch of films I think I only knew one of which out of them. Um maybe that's not so surprising, foreign films in nineteen sixty, but not for me it, it it seems that way for me because I'm I usually am into this stuff, so uh, I was up against a film from Italy, a film from France, a film from Mexico, and a film from Yugoslavia, of all yeah. places. So, Which, for our younger listeners, kids, no longer exists. Yes, not exists. Yes. Um, I looked up the, the a brief outline of all of those, of all yeah. these films. And um, let's see here. There's the Italian movies about the Holocaust. The French movie stars uh, Bridget Bardot. Uh, it's a film, I wrote down, it's a film about a woman who kills her lover, is put on trial, and then kills herself. Yep. Uh, the film from Mexico, I have Supernatural Film About Roasted Turkeys. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> now I have to look at this. I have to look at this. <laughs> I, 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 I'm doing it a disservice, I think, but I, there was some bit about a dude has dreams of roasted turkeys, and I'm like, well, this is obviously what this movie is about. And finally, the film from Yugoslavia it was about a Croatian <laughs> concentration camp. And I must say, if this is not the most foreign language sounding list of competitors i've ever seen then i i don't know what is because when you think of foreign movies you think of yeah it this this sounds about right you know movies about holocaust woman killing herself the the scorned lover and roasted turkeys Mm -hmm. it just that just it's just the way it happens i (laughs) but i um i have not heard of any of these other films and that's the sadly the case with a lot of the uh nominees certainly from many many years ago even the not not just the foreign film nominees but every nominee like a lot of a lot of the movies if they don't win they get forgotten because mm-hmm. well they don't win and we as a culture enjoy winners and don't really like the losers so much there are exceptions but for the most part 
certainly back before the age of the internet and all of this. If you didn't win, you were kind of lost in the shuffle. Mm. Matt, what is your familiarity with Igmar Bergman? He directed 60 films. He directed 170 plays. He's one of the most enduring uh, icons of foreign language uh, pictures. I think we saw, I'm sure we saw a bunch of his stuff in uh, film school, <laughs> undoubtedly. Yep. Uh, we sure did. We sure did. What, uh, what's, your, what's your familiarity with him? So I, I distinctly remember seeing uh, in film class, definitely saw The Seventh Seal. Oh, yeah. um, I was particularly excited when I saw that because I was able to finally get the in-joke from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, <laughs> their depiction of death in that film. I was like, I know this guy. I know. And then that movie was not at all what I expected it to be. It was definitely a journey, and it was it was of the bogus variety. But um, it, it, it did stick with me. And I, 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 I to this day, really, 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 I, I enjoy it as much as one can enjoy a a uh, movie as dark as it is, I really enjoy that film. I think it's really it's a it's a great um, kind of look into a director having a conversation with himself about lots of things, death and religion amongst them. Um, and I just always thought it was um, a fantastic film. And then I think um, a few of his other films I was I was familiar with. Wild Strawberries I I had seen a few times. I really enjoyed um, Persona, Hour of the Wolf as well. And then I, Danny and Alexander I, I had also seen. I had a um, one of my sweet mates towards the end of college, well, not towards the end, but about the middle way through, uh, was really, really big into Bergman. And I think Newberry Comics had one of their fancy 20% off sales, and he got a box set. Hmm. So we sat around and like ate nachos and watched some Bergman films. <laughs> and I think by the time it was over, we were um, scarred, very scarred, let's just put it that way, because we didn't really know what to expect. So Right. Do you have a, what is your relationship with nachos now? Um, it's a passionate one. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's up and down. I, I don't like to, I don't, I'm honestly a little taken back that you would even bring it up right now because it's just, you know, well, how it's, dark it's, it's it just, yeah, it, it could, it, could, it sounds like a very scarring experience. Like, like you may have some, some bad memories associated with, with nachos and taking it out. I, I know every time, every time you say it, I get a chill. It's both pleasurable and horrifying. At the same time. Nachos. <laughs> oh, oh. All right. All right. That's enough of that. <laughs> Um, outside of the the big ones, uh, Third Left Darkly, Benny and Alexander, and of course the Seventh Seal, and now the Virgin Spring, I am not too familiar with Bergman. Again, another another case of me being very uh, Anglo Anglicized in my uh, worldview of cinema. I just man, I just, ain't nobody got time fucking time for that. All right, it's there's it's made a lot of movies. There's a lot of movies, and there are a lot of other movies that keep coming out. I gotta see them. Sorry, I'll get around to it eventually. Lord knows I may have some time coming up, but ultimately we'll see. But he is undoubtedly, when uh, one speaks of the most influential directors of all time, certainly of the most prolific directors of all time, Bergman is undoubtedly in that conversation, and there are many a film school students who have been influenced by him, including, of course, the one and only Wes Craven, who I am sure you you are much more familiar with his life and works than Bergman's, I would imagine. Maybe. Just 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 a little bit. Maybe. I don't know if I want to talk about it now. <laughs> oh well well then I'll I'll talk about it. Um 
1972, Wes Craven released yeah. The Last House on the Left. It was his debut film, I believe. Debut film? Well, his debut film that wasn't a porno. <laughs> he made some pornos beforehand, like any good uh, Catholic boy does or any good boy brought up Catholic does when he makes movies. First ones he makes are porno films. Yeah, yep. that, that's 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 fair enough. Well, it he it did. it has it certainly has some hallmarks. It was very um, it was a fine entry into the exploitation genre. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But if you watch this film and then you watch Last House on the Left, you will be struck by the huh, this seems very similar, and that's what that's mm-hmm. because it is very similar. Yeah. Very similar. Ah, uh, what I haven't seen I haven't seen Last House on the Left in a couple of years. I remember it being. Hokey now, but at the time I imagined it very shocking, and I hit and mm. I hated the cops. It, y- yes, the, yeah, the police officer characters are bumbling and absolutely ridiculous. They're 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 still obnoxious. I watched it very recently because it's it's one of the films I'm talking about for my thesis. So, uh, yeah, that element does not hold up well. I mean, the whole movie is is very dated in a lot of respects, but there is something really. Um, interesting about it just the feel of it I, I the, the particular avenue i'm looking at it through is through the idea of um family connection to family and um that part of it is still really interesting to me mm-hmm. um a lot of the stylistic choices and certainly the performances um are not fantastic but i i think it shows uh it, it shows a director that at least was trying to um figure something out i think he he had his hand held a lot through it uh, his producer and co-writer Sean Cunningham would go on to direct Friday the 13th, so co-created the the Jason Voorhees character. So they they both kind of went on to uh, bigger and better things, obviously. Um, but it still kind of holds up too as a, an interesting time capsule in uh, early 1970s America, post Vietnam or you know early early post Vietnam America. So that part of it is still really fascinating for me. Yeah, I am. I'm amazed at. I love the early, like the 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 seventies era Hollywood storytelling, and and the, and the and the characters that came up there, and just how they were, you know, it's the studio system has collapsed. The six, the you know, we're we're getting over the sixties, and they they're just they're reinventing the languages that we the language that we use for film. You know, the Brat Pack, you know, and uh, you know, Spielberg, Lucas, Scorsese, Coppola. And you could you very much say Craven was in there because horror started becoming less kind of like hokey goofiness and more genuine terror in there. And I think a lot of it has to do with the in, certainly the influence from the neo realists and all of the a lot of the foreign stuff, which had could get away with more things, more mm. shocking. And violent subjects, and uh, the these these young kids who grew up on this or were seeking it out brought brought that and incorporated it into their movies, and uh, thus I think the the modern horror genre that we know, which is a little more violent and a little more dark and psychological, uh, came about. And I think uh, I, 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 there's definitely there's definitely a clear line from you know the Virgin Spring. To uh, Craven, and that's obvious because you know Craven remade it. But I think that I think there's a lot to be you know. I, th- I think after that, you could say Craven helped influence a lot of the stuff that came after came after that. Certainly in the certainly in the 70s, and 
All yeah. That. Oh yeah. But um, you mentioned that there uh, on break, you mentioned that there were a lot of other foreign films that came out in 1960, and I don't think we really touched on them in the other episodes. Which mm. ones uh, struck your notes? Well, I had a yeah, a few. Like you said, we were we were talking about, it, and I think the reason they didn't show up on a lot of uh, awards lists because of their distribution dates in the United States. Most of them actually came out in theaters in whatever respect that was in 1961. Uh, I was looking at, I mentioned Breathless, Jean-Luc Godard's Breathless, which is talking about influential films, is, I, I mean, arguably one of the most influential films ever. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other one? Um, Bellini, right? La, La Dolce Vita came yep. out in 1960. Uh, Kurosawa with The Bad Sleep Well, which is like a really... Oh, I'm not familiar with under, that one. It's an underrated film about a, a guy trying to get revenge um, on... I, I believe he's trying to get revenge on person who he blames for his wife's or some member of his family's suicide so it's is really dark i mean you know kurosawa could get dark um but this was a really just a a really dark film um there was a bunch of other ones too i think um michelangelo and antonioni had uh la ventura that year i think it was the first one in his his trilogy of kind of existentialist italian films that was also (laughs) it's also really a good flick and yeah, I mean, there's there's more. I mean, 1960 was a was a big year. I mean, the late 50s into the early 60s were huge for foreign films, particularly for France um, and Italy. So, which I'm sure you've talked about a little bit. We talked about La Strada, right? Yeah. So yeah. That would have been in there. Yeah, definitely. Right in that era. So. Yeah. yeah. Those 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 are just just a sample. Just a, just a taste. Just a touch. Just a touch. It's interesting you bring up Kurosawa because Bergman's on record saying that The Virgin Spring is is, I think, and I'm going to be misquoting it it's like a, a bad kurosawa it's yeah, bad yeah, like lazy kurosawa or this is something i he's, could see like i could see rashomon in there oh yeah the, it's very it's yeah he's uh, rashomon's a, a direct influence on this on on this very film. similar in, the, in a lot of respects in that regard yeah, yeah. that's interesting i hadn't thought of that yeah. i hadn't thought of that before. i am uh i'm very much looking forward to talking to getting to our rashomon episode because i adore that movie yes i, I do so too. much it's going to be a lot of fun. But we're not here to discuss that. We are here to discuss The Virgin Spring. And when we return, we're going to get right into it. So don't change that dial. First time I saw The Virgin Spring, I was 18. In fact, that was the first time I consciously watched any art film at all. I can imagine the impact on me. It was uh, 1974, I believe. I was first year into uh, the Academy of Art. And there I was. People started to organize screenings, film clubs. It was just happening. And those films were get into Taiwan uh, almost by mistake. Nobody know why the Virgin Spring was there. And I sat there for one time and I was perplexed, I was dumbfounded, and I was electrified. And I refused to leave the screening room, and I watched it again. Life changed afterward. I, I couldn't say a word afterwards. I've never, I had never in my 18 years of life seen anything so quiet, so serene, and yet so violent, and so fundamentally questioning God, where you are, the conflict, uh, conflict, inner and outer conflict of man and nature, 
the mundane nature of a human being and also the need of understanding. The Virgin Spring, or as it is known in Swedish, and I am going to butcher this, Jungfrukallen. There's an umlaut in there that I don't exactly know how to pronounce. Directed by Ingmar Bergman, written by Ulla Isaacson. And the IMDb summary is as follow. An innocent yet pampered young virgin and her family's pregnant and jealous servant set out to deliver candles to church, but only <laughs> one returns from events that transpire in the woods along the way. <laughs> Sounds like a radio play. Like, yeah, I mean I would, that's a I listen to that. Yeah, that's a, that's a very it's a very you know, enticing summary it of is. it. Um, I would if I saw that I'd go. Well, what transpired in the woods? Was there some? Was it wacky adventures? That sounds like it could be wacky adventures. It's, but fun fact, people, it is. It's not wacky adventures. In fact, that's not a fun fact. It's the least fun fact <laughs> ever. Um, Matt, can you care to elaborate for folks who have not seen it? Sorry, people, it's a fifty-seven-year-old movie. The limit, the statute of limitation on spoilers has passed. Matt, what happens in this film? I would say also, too, we talked about Last House on the Left, so if, if you know that movie or you know a little bit about like I knew the premise of that film before I saw it, so at that point it wasn't really surprising when what happened happened. But, um, yeah, the, uh, where is it? the the events that transpire in the woods along the way, uh, <laughs> I mean, amongst amongst other things, little little bits and pieces we can talk about, basically leave to or leave us with the the pampered. I love these terms, these the pampered young virgin. Um, Running afoul these insidious herdsmen in their in their goat gang, um, and everything seems hunky dory until, at least unbeknownst to her, it's pretty clear to us that these are not savory people. Um, she ends up um, brutalized, raped, and then murdered. And um, the the friend, the pregnant and jealous servant. This is like a bad Lifetime movie. We're talking about Lifetime. Oh, the, yeah, uh, it, it absolutely is. Absolutely, a jealous and pregnant servant. She she witnesses the whole thing, is kind of powerless to stop it out of fear and other things we can talk about going forward. It's one of the more interesting aspects of the film. She she ends up um, kind of returning and and uh, lo and behold, the herdsmen end up in their travels at the very farm where the uh, pampered young virgin lives and uh, things get things get out of control, I would yeah. say. I don't know how much we're going to talk about, but things get out of control. Yeah. Let's just say the... They get medieval. Yeah. The great Max von Sydow uh, does, not, does not suffer fools. He, uh, he, lay, he lays a hurt down on these fellows that, um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's... It's an ugly film. It's an, it is. Uh, it's it's beautifully shot. It's so it's such a beautiful looking film, but it is, uh, in terms of its morality, it can get very dirty. Yep. It's very dirty. Um. So let's just get right right into it. The um the scenes of violence in this film. Uh, they are horrific, and they are very drawn out. I think certainly, and um, Bergman is, if anything, a master of suspense and tension. We know we know what's going to happen, but he will he will just 
like a cat playing with a mouse he will take his sweet time because he knows he has us in his hands uh so when it when it uh, just matt how does how does the the rape and the murder hit you how does that whole sequence of events which basically takes up the first i mean the entire second act of the film how does that how does that hit you today how do you think that would have hit you as an audience member in 1960 america Mm, excellent question, Stephen. Um, That's why I asked it. That's true. Good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I had seen this before, but I, I was kind of, um, you know, particularly, it sounds weird to say I was particularly interested in this scene, but I'm, I'm usually very interested in scenes where um, violence is going to be showcased of any kind in older films, just because I like to see how they handle it, how they shoot around it. Do we see it? And, you know, what they get away with and what they don't get away with, um, because I'm always interested in that reaction. So I found myself watching it again in 2017, still pretty shocked um, at how much they kind of got away. I, I, I kind of in my head remember it, remember the rape particularly being more implied, but it is not implied right. at all. It's very clear what's happening um, without the, yeah, showing anything gratuitous. I, be- I believe the version in America was cut around, but the version that exists in Criterion or whatnot is the full unedited version of, of, yeah. of the scene. Continue, continue. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's it's it is it is pretty harsh. I mean, the the murder itself is probably a little less so, or maybe that's just the way I felt because I felt so drained after the build up to the the rape and then the rape itself. I, I feel like the the violence, the the murder, her murder is almost a like a reprieve from it because you just feel drained. You feel so traumatized from watching this in a way that. You're almost like I don't want to say I'm happy. I wasn't happy that she was killed, but at the same time, you're like, all right, at least this part's over. It, it can't possibly get any worse for her. I mean, it gets worse for other characters in the film uh, later on. But yeah, I, I found that scene to be still really affecting now, which which means I have to say that in in 1960, it would have it would have really blown my balls off. I imagine. Um, I don't even know if I would have even remotely expected it seeing kind of in 1960 i don't know what i would have been expecting at all so you know going into this movie um the first time even i, I was aware of it it's it's uh, notoriety and it's it's kind of remake-ish status with last house on the left so i kind of knew a little bit what to expect and i would almost again it sounds weird to say this but i, I almost would like to have watched the film kind of clean not knowing really what was going to happen to get that kind of reaction um more so i don't know if that makes sense but that's kind of what i'm I'm saying no that makes makes total sense i was actually i was actually curious um i, w- I would be curious about people who did not know anything about this film mm-hmm. and we and was just we're just sat down and said okay we're gonna watch this movie called the virgin spring it's a foreign film so pr- just prepare yourself it's gonna you know this we're just gonna just watch it and see and see what what they would they would think would they walk away during that scene would they punch you in the arm and saying why the fuck are you making me watch this um it's Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's a very tough scene, and um, as noted before, I recently became a dad. I have a daughter, and so this I. There are few things I can watch that I'll just like look away from. There's usually a lot of like like when I when my wife and I watch Grey's Anatomy, there's some gross stuff on there because uh, <laughs> that's stuff in the body and that doesn't you know it shouldn't it should be inside it shouldn't be outside <laughs> you know this was the first time 
I think ever where I no this sorry it's no the 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 other time this happened was uh, obviously the film Irreversible where I was, I was <laughs> where oh, I had my head turned and my hands were over my eyes and I was like kind of just looking through it just being utterly aghast and um just horrified and sickened and uh just the way it happened so it's it's kind of like so matter of factly mm-hmm. from the and the and the goat herds there this 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 callous look on their face as they as they go through it is it it everything is is horrifying but the thing that gets me the most is afterwards they're they're the two the two older ones are done are done with her and she just she just gets up and she just and she just walks she just walks away and there's this just this the most tragic look i've seen on a woman's face ever i think on on film just this this horrifying this she literally she has lost something that in this time in 14th century sweden is among the most valuable things a woman can have perhaps the only thing a woman can have and it has been taken from her in a just a horrendous way and it's oh, that broke my heart and so when she she gets clubbed over the head finally because i guess just why not i will have to agree with you it did feel like a relief because I don't know what her life would have been like I mean, af- yeah. afterwards. That's a really uh, good in, in this time. It's just uh, it, it has a lot to it has a lot to say about society back then, and uh, I assume uh, probably a lot to say about society society now. Um, well, we're gonna there's uh, another scene of violence, and we'll get to that later in the end. But uh, this film, like many of Bergman's, is concerned with religion. He has a lot of religious overtones obviously the seventh seal is a knight playing death for chance to live um here it's a um it's there's a struggle between the old norse gods which is represented by in gary the pregnant servant uh, the pregnant jealous servant and yes. um <laughs> and and the and christianity which is represented by um by karin which is the daughter which is the daughter um what does this juxtaposition provide for both the themes and for the story itself to you? Oh man. So I actually, I I like wrestled with this at the end and and trying to kind of figure out, I I, I must've read a review at some point where it it, it probably was like a Roger Ebert review. And, and, you know, he's talking about Bergman's point about kind of the, the old religion and then Christianity and kind of which one, I don't wins or triumphs isn't the right word, but which one kind of prevails in the end for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I think it was him. And he made a very clear statement that Christianity kind of wins or prevails, whatever term he used. And, and I, I kind of went in thinking about that. And I don't know. I, I don't know that I feel like it, it does in a way because it, it almost wins by force, literally by force and by, by, by violence and by, you know, terrible things happening to people by fear and um, guilt and just different things like that. And I, and I, I mean, a lot of those things sound really distinctly Christian uh, to oh, me. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I, I grappled with it. I'm not saying I believe in Odin and things like that, but I, at the same time, 
right? And, and Gary is the one who kind of doesn't she? She's the one who wishes something bad to happen to Corinne. Yeah, way, right? in, the, in the first scene of the movie, he, she yeah. calls she's down. She's Odin, right? Mm-hmm. And something bad happens to her. And I'm not saying it's good. She obviously feels immense guilt over it, particularly towards the end of the film when she when she talks about it, when she reveals what she did. Um, but yet again, I don't know if that's necessarily a a a, a confession of, of of the Norse mythology winning. I don't think there's a, a winner necessarily. I keep using that term, but that's not really accurate to it. Um, I think it's just to show. I think the I think it's just to show the struggle. You think use that word the struggle between these two these two forces. I don't think it's to show that there's a there's a, a one who comes out clean at the end. I think it's just to show that there was um there was a struggle and that Christianity was kind of in this transitional period and people were trying to kind of figure out how it works for them. Right. Maybe that's just my cynic my cynicism in it, but I I don't know. I that's just so I don't have an answer really. I just <laughs> I, I, I grappled with it and I, I really enjoyed doing that watching the film. I really enjoyed having that kind of conversation with myself. Um, while I watched it. Yeah. I agree with you that the winner is the wrong word here. Um, if anything, I think what Bergman is going for is that certainly in this time, because um, Sweden was, you know, it took a long time for Christianity to get a hold there. So there, it was a very violent struggle for domination. I think what it's saying is that at the end of the day, there is a lot of similarities between the two. Mm. And I think with the, in the Norse religion, which is, you know, you know, Thor, it's Odin, it's Loki, it's, you know, an, an eternal battles that occurs every single day. It's a very violent religion. Mm. I think it would have been easier for the characters to deal with this situation, at least emotionally, had they been practicing pagans or yeah. you know, following the Norse Norse mythology, as opposed to trying to wrestle with the Christian notion of turning turning another cheek, because this is this is literally this is the test that um, Max von Sydow's character, the father, is presented with, and he fails it. So yeah. he fails it so he fails it so hard as to make him uh, as to be as to be almost as unforgivable as what the goatsman did and that's really the central struggle the central message there saying like bergman saying yo shit's fucked up son and there ain't no way around it you just gotta deal with it doesn't that suck and yes it does suck it's um Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's real it's 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 tough because at the at the end which I didn't I, when when I I knew this movie existed I thought Virgin Spring was like a, a season it's an no it's an actual literal spring yeah, yeah. so if you want to if so if you want to assign winner, winners well we have the miracle of the spring sort of spouting out where um, Corinne's body lay yep but, and where they're gonna build a church right where and, but, and, but yeah where where the it's the the story is based off of a 14th century folk tale about the the founding of this church and apparently about this this father who's Seven daughters, all were raped and killed. <laughs> I read that and was like, "You gotta be fucking kidding me, Sweden!" Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, are, I assure you, they are not kidding you. Yeah, they're not kidding you in any, in any regard. I was gonna say something bad about Sweden, but I'm sure they're very nice people. They're I'm very, sure. very serious all the time. <laughs> 
that's for good reason. Maybe they're maybe we're not serious enough. Maybe we're not serious. I don't enough. know. We're pretty pretty serious here. You and I, maybe. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, because we are, we only talk about serious movies because only, only serious movies ever win. It's very annoying sometimes. Although Up was pretty fun. Um. All right. Nobody here in this movie is really blameless. I think. Um, everybody has, everybody is carrying around the weight of their actions. You have Max von Sydow's Thor, um, who carries around killing two guilty men and, and, and an innocent child. The boy did not participate in the rape and murder. Uh, one could say he was sort of like, a, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's like innocent, but he sure as hell is not guilty. In fact, he was the only—he was the one who showed remorse. He was. Uh, uh, there's this excellent monologue from one of the uh, uh, denizens of, uh, yeah, denizens of the house, which yeah. in Swedish is just the most terrifying thing about oh, the movie. Yeah. Oh god, I'm really getting that. But you have Tor, you have um, Corinne, who, and we're not victim blaming here, okay? But you gotta have a better head on your shoulders, lady. If you're going to be traveling in the woods in 14th century Sweden by yourself, like you, you should, you should know better. Yes. You did. No, what happened to you? You do not deserve. You did not deserve it. You should not. You never have. You should never have put yourself in that situation at all. You should have just kept on going and gotten as far away as possible. If in Gary, she calls down the she calls down the the thunder metaphorically speaking and then she stands by when the thunder hits and does nothing so she is guilty of the sin of inaction if the herdsmen obviously they rape and murder a girl which is despicable and you even have um you even have Maretta the wife who spoils the kid who spoils Corinth so much as to like pamper her so she doesn't you know I, Maretta feels guilt over not make not making her daughter strong enough and it's the only it's the only daughter so um she feels yep complicit in Corinne's lack of discernment. What? How does this make you feel? Is, is there anyone really to root for in this movie? <laughs> um, I think it changes. I think it changes. I think you, you, I mean, even though you, you know, if you go in knowing what's going to happen, you don't know what's going to happen. I think you kind of want to root for the, the the bloodthirsty part of you wants to root for the father and the mother to get some sort of revenge, not necessarily in the way it happens here, but something you know just just to, for justice for her. I again, I'm not the 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 most religious, admittedly, person in in the world at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm not also the most violent person in the world. I would be the last person probably to pick up a knife and. Uh, go to town on someone even with revenge in mind um but i think there's a part of you that wants to root for um them to i don't necessarily even to do the right thing i just to to just to do something and you know they're going to you know you know it's going to happen right um yeah the 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 herdsmen aren't going to repent um i guess if anything i mean other than um uh, you know Corinne's brutalization. Um, the the young boy being killed. I, I thought that was one of the more tragic moments because you can tell the father. Um, it's it's kind of in this like bloodlust. He doesn't necessarily even mean to do it, and he's really um, hurt by it. Um, yeah. So, and I, I have one more. I have one more thing I root for. It's that 
poor tree that he tries to uproot. He smashes. I felt so bad for that tree in that <laughs> moment. I don't, it was a great scene, but I just kept thinking, like, oh, man, like, that tree, right. you just planted that thing. Like, it's beautiful. And then he wrestles it to the ground. And it's a great scene to show, showcase his frustration and his anger. But yeah. I just felt really bad for that tree, Steve. I did. I did too. Like I've taken out a great many a number of trees in my in my time in my last job. But yeah, you know, yeah. There there are easier ways to do that. But kudos <laughs> to you for like knocking it over the way you did. I that that was that was impressive. I this is gonna sound terrible when Max von Sydow threw the kid and he bounced against the wall. I kind of laughed just because <laughs> I I need I needed to I needed to do something other than just be feel horrible yeah, so i was no, like i can't <laughs> just passed out that's funny oh that's terrible that's <laughs> funny oh my god <laughs> yeah he really whips him against the wall too it looks painful oh, yeah and painful. yeah and again again this is, me, this is me daddy jacking the conversation like i was definitely at times rooting for, i i wanted max von Sydow to to win this i wanted him to destroy yeah. these guys and then he killed the kid i'm like oh yeah. so close and you, you you had it you but you you didn't stop to you just have to get all the information and now you are definitely living with this um with this with this guilt he was almost a death wish but he ended up a taxi driver <laughs> <laughs> does that makes sense i think i think i think I, I get i get i got you <laughs> i got you how does that last um how does the last act play out? Certainly the um, the discovery and the vengeance scene. How does that like? I was on edge the entire entire time this was yeah. happening. Um, I think like I think like admittedly it's maybe a little long, but fuck if I care, man. This is this is incredible. How does that? How does how does let's let's focus on the revenge scene itself. How yeah. does that hit you? I love that entire. I agree with you entire that that entire act. I think is really really well done. Um, the sequence where the herdsmen come to the house and Max von Sydow's characters is is perched kind of above them in the shot, lording over them, and they're kind of structured behind this gate, uh, silhouetted behind it, almost like bars in in this dark. And it's just it's it's horrifying for everybody involved, and it really showcases that they're going to be the victims of something soon too and i think that works really well but i also really like the kind of um uh heavy-handedness of the scene right before the murder with with the the farmhand talking to the boy and the wind coming in the lady saying um you need to keep the fire going it's going to be cold tonight it felt very like um you know mythological or folkloric to me and i'm always into that kind of stuff it just felt a little um I, I get that, you know, that, that horror genre feel sometimes from some of those scenes, and I, I thought that was a really yeah. just effective the way they do it, very classy. Yeah. Um, and then the the almost like, I think if I'm remembering correctly, that the almost lack of music in, in that entire sequence is just mm-hmm. chilling, particularly in the scene when, when the father comes back into the room and he waits and he waits and he waits so patiently and oh. Oh, chilling, oh, really I, chilling, like so you said. Chill. Yeah. The, right that he does it so unconventionally like he doesn't they're all the three of them are sleeping together he doesn't he doesn't go and just like slit one of their throats or like stab them in the heart waking them up you know he wakes them up he wants them to know yeah. that they are about to get their shit fucked up and that's that, that's terrifying and they they know they know it's coming and they do the classic um bad guy maneuver and they don't attack him together 
Right, of course. They, 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 one tries to flee, another one tries to fight. But Sita just tears through them like this unhinged god. He's a big uh, dude, so he's a he's a very big he's a very big dude, and it's imposing, very imposing. And it, it it is it is so brutal, and and even before when he's just sitting there, he's sitting there at the at the at the head of the table, just mm. like looking. There's the knife jammed uh. in there. Like this is a beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful shot. The cinematography by longtime collaborator Sven Nyquist is incredible in this movie, and like every 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 frame of picture uh, is this film. It is really really tough because i certainly at the time i think a lot of violence wasn't it was so stylized and almost uh clinical and hygienic we hadn't we hadn't gotten bonnie and clyde yet with just this or the wild bunch or you know any of the, the peck and paw type of like in your face oh my god this is what it really looks like so this this film is coming close to what it was what violence can actually be like it's messy it's dirty and in this certainly in this case it is downright personal and um just awful and it's a it's a, it's and i feel i felt a little there was a little satisfaction there there was a little because i i totally get that guy's mindset even if i didn't have a a, a girl i would totally understand that mindset but that the the point of the movie is uh, it's not it's how vengeance can corrupt and the cycle of violence may never end and you have to repent to some to a god that you have never seen a god that you wonder why you 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 created this situation and yet and yet you still love and you still decide I'm going to build a church and fuck you god you jerk. <laughs> Gets away, you know, does all these terrible things and still get the church built built for him because of it. Yeah. Uh, well, you, know, you get a, you get a spring out of it. I think I'd much rather have my daughter back. Yes. Honestly. Yeah. Okay. So Matt, we come to it at last. Did the Virgin Spring deserve to win Best Foreign Language Film based on the information we have? So the only other. The only other foreign language film in the running I had seen was was the movie The Truth, the one, the one from France, Henry George Clouseau, who who did uh, uh, Diabolique as well. That was, I think, why I'd seen that movie, just because I was interested in. Loved him in um, the Pink Panther. Yes, yes, yeah. So I, I I loved um, I loved uh, Diabolique so much that I had seen The Truth years later. That was, the, and I didn't even I think at the time realize it was um, nominated for best foreign language film. So. I, that's a, this is a hard question because I, we haven't seen a lot of them. I, I mean, yeah. I think, I think if it's if it's you're 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 dealing with a couple of hurdles here with this film, right? You get the, the just it's foreign language to begin with. Um, it's a period setting has a lot to do with religion and some really harsh subject matter. Um, not something you want to just sit down and watch for fun, like you mentioned earlier on. But I think to have all that, all that in there, and to still make it engaging, and um, thought-provoking, and 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 we can ha- we can have a conversation about this in 2017. That feels universal again. We go back to that that feeling of universality. Um, yeah, I would say I, I know a lot of people argue that it, it it should not have won, and their argument is that um, some of his previous films should have won. Seven Seal oh. and Wild Strawberries. I know were um, were yeah, heavily were liked to be winners. 
Um, so I feel like a lot of people felt robbed. And also, I know that the version of Spring is kind of like a transitional film for him. A lot of his, his films after this became even more dark. Um, so, and I can attest to having How? How is that? Yeah, so if you think this movie's dark, you should see some of the stuff um, post this. Um, so I don't know if that's really an answer. I, I mean, I... Yes, I guess yes is my answer. But with the caveat that we haven't seen some of the other films... And with the caveat that I, I would I also agree with some of those critics that I, I like The Seventh Seal and Wild Strawberries um, a lot more than I like this movie. But I don't think you're supposed to like The Virgin Spring. I don't think you're supposed to like it. Right. So, yes, but with some exceptions. I hear you. You're supposed to think about it. Um, again, there. I have not seen a lot of, I haven't seen none of the other nominees this year. Uh, nor have I seen, you know, Wild Strawberries for Seventh Seal. I don't know why that didn't win. That's preposterous. But so I guess this is probably oh, we owe Bergman one, and then we'll just give him <laughs> two more after that as well. <laughs> but uh, the Virgin Spring, it uh, it is an art house exploitation film with a lot to say on the subject of religion, faith, vengeance, and forgiveness. I think it has endured. Uh, it's certainly, you know, Wes Craven, Last House on the Left, you know, helping to spawn uh, the horror genre, the sort of the sort of thing. And um, certainly, if you remove all of the legacy of the awards, its influence, this is a very effective film, even some seventy years later. Um, I, mm-hmm. it's modern in its approach and technique, its acting, and its depiction of violence, and also its moral. Uh, grayness of it, I you I I can't I can't deny that it's if you if you told me oh this was this is a movie made a couple of years ago I I could I could honestly I could honestly believe that you know, yes some of it looks a little dated and whatnot the camera doesn't move as much as a, a modern film might do but there is a lot here that still works uh, even now so yes. I will say this movie did deserve best foreign language film, despite me not having seen the others. But <laughs> such as it goes, we watch the foreign, we watch the winners, we try to watch the nom- the nom- nominees when we can. But we are here to discuss the winners. You have been listening to Oscar Watch. Thank you so much. But before we we get into all of that, let's roll the dice and let's see what we're doing next week. Matt, you ready? I'm ready, baby. Oh yeah. Thirty-four. You know what? That's too. Yeah. Uh, let's get. Let's just. Let's get something a little more. A little more up to date. Sixty. Which one is sixty? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Nineteen eighty-sevens. The Bernardo Bertolucci film, The Last Emperor. I have not seen this movie in a very long time. Oh boy! I am. Ooh, ooh! I'm curious to see how this one's going to. This one's going to play out. This one's. This is. Ooh, thirty years old. Perfect. So that will be on the docket for next week. Join us then, will you? This has been Oscar Watch. You can find us on social media at Oscar Watch Pod. Like, subscribe, and leave a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. And drop us a line at Oscar Watch Podcast at Gmail Matt, where can people read? All I assume all five of the American Ninja <laughs> review. Movies. It's just it's just gonna be the four because that's all that's out on Blu-ray right now. But you, 
be assured that when the fifth one comes out, it'll be reviewed. Uh, so you guys can find me on Instagram at um, movie underscore matinee, matinee with two T's like my name. Um, I try to do a movie review a day amongst other things. Um, yeah, just all fun stuff. Right now I'm going through my movie collection and um, just viewing or reviewing movies I've never seen or haven't seen in a very long time. So it was fun. I let people kind of choose what I reviewed. And um, it's been fun. I've actually had a really good experience watching a lot of the stuff I had been kind of holding off on for a long time. For no reason, just that I hadn't watched it. Um, and there's a lot of movies out there. So, yeah, movie score. Movie, movie score. That's it. It's not movie <laughs> score. It's movie underscore matinee. And I'm kicking my leg up over here because I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, movie <laughs> underscore matinee. That's where I am. Okay. Fantastic. Love his stuff. You should definitely check it out. He's, uh, he's a very smart man. Very smart. I know he's, he doesn't always sound smart here, but I, I assure you he is. <laughs> Movie score. <laughs> he is way smarter than I am. This has been Oscar Watch. Thank you for listening. Remember, folks, when you are out in the woods, exercise some caution. Be a little more careful. And until next time, we will see you on the red carpet. Yeah.